Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The basis for our message today is the Gospel lesson. Jesus giving us an account of the Ten Commandments. So Sven and Lena were discussing vacation plans. They each had ideas of where they wanted to go. And then Sven said, you know what would be really cool is we went to the Holy Land. Imagine going to the Holy Land, walking the area that Jesus walked on, and then think about it going to Mount Sinai and standing up on the top of the mountain and shouting out the Ten Commandments. And Lena looked at him and said, don't you think it would be better if you stayed home and kept the commandments? I like that little joke because it reminds us that people can show a lot of respect for the commandments, but it's difficult to keep the commandments. And we see that with the Pharisees and scribes. As the Lord speaks about the Pharisees and scribes, he points out their failure to keep it. And we see the challenge that we have also to fully even understand what the Ten Commandments are all about. And so our Lord in the Gospel lesson is really giving us a lesson on how to understand his law and how to understand the Ten Commandments. And what we're going to do is we're going to take the first half of the Gospel lesson. We're going to look at Jesus using the example of the Fifth Commandment to demonstrate to us how we are to truly understand the Ten Commandments and what our Lord is truly calling upon us to do. We go back to the beginning of the Gospel lesson. We hear Jesus said, For I tell you that unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. The hearers of this originally would have been totally shocked. When they think about the scribes and the Pharisees, they think of people who were righteous. They were the ones who were experts in the law. They knew it backwards and forwards. And they were ones who who kept the law, seemingly, and made sure everybody knew that they kept the law. They were focused on themselves, that that righteousness that they would show to the world. But this was an outward righteousness. And Jesus often confronts them about their hypocrisy, that on the outside they looked good, but on the inside they were not. He's calling upon them. And when you think about this, God calls upon us for a righteousness that comes from within, that our heart be pure, and then works itself out in love toward our neighbor and those around us. You see, we have to be careful as we look about the scribes and the Pharisees that, that we don't fall into the same trap. It's real easy to be focused on ourselves and work upon ourselves and being right in front of everybody so everybody sees our righteousness, but not truly understanding what God is calling upon us to do. And that's the challenge today. We need to ask ourselves, what is it that God really wants when we hear his word and when we hear his law? And so now Jesus is going to take the fifth commandment as an example. This is how we are to understand God's commands. So we pick it up in verse 21. You have have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. So again, Jesus is going on to explain what he means, that your righteousness must exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees. That, that, That their righteousness really begins in a different way. They, they don't understand the commandments. He uses the commandment, the fifth commandment, as a clear example. See, the Pharisees focused on the outward action. So when you hear this fifth commandment, you shall not murder. Well, if they haven't killed anybody, they've kept it. They're good. In their mind, refraining from killing one another is keeping the commandment, is keeping the law. And that's the way they like to look at the law. Define it in such a way as they could keep it. And actually, isn't that the way we want to define the law? We kind of want to narrow it down so it's something manageable for us. 
kind of nice to look at the fifth commandment as just not killing somebody, because then we've all accepted it, right? We've all done that, or we haven't done that, hopefully, but, but we've all kept it easily. But our Lord points out that that's not the main point, that this commandment really, truly, is about loving your neighbor. And that's what he goes on to say as he speaks in verse 22. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. So you see Jesus' deeper understanding that goes beyond the scribes and the Pharisees. He makes clear that the Lord never intended this commandment just to refrain from harming each other. That wasn't the intent. In fact, the whole refraining from harming one another was to come out of love for your neighbor. That's why you do not want to harm, because, because you have such great love for your neighbor, you couldn't think about harming or hurting your neighbor. And with that understanding, we see that anything that is done out of anger, out of hatred, out of disdain to the people around us is breaking this commandment. In fact, anything that is not done out of love, whether it's your words, whether it's your thoughts, or whether it's your actions, is a breaking of this commandment. And notice Jesus, how Jesus uses the word liable, that you will be liable to the judgment, liable to the council, liable to the hell of fire. He's driving home the responsibility that you have for people. Your failure to keep this, is there's no excuse. You can't blame it on somebody else and what they did or what they said. You can't blame it on the circumstances. Our Lord is making clear that, that we are responsible for our thoughts, our words, and our actions. There's no one else that, that we can turn to or we can blame. We're the ones guilty of breaking this commandment. And this is very convicting, isn't it? In our surface reading of the fifth commandment, we like to think, well, we're not murderers. We couldn't even think of ourselves that way, right? That's for, for really bad people. We'd never do that. But then you hear Jesus say that if you're angry with your brother, insult your brother, call your brother a fool, done any of those things? Been angry? Insulted anybody? You know, think about what people call one another. Fool isn't exactly on the extreme case. Really, it, it reminds us how much we have failed. And our Lord even heightens this by the term brother, right? That, that he drives home the severity by using this term of relationship, right? That, that when we do these things to anyone, we're actually doing it to a brother or a sister. That we are called to be in a relationship of love with one another. And, and when we fail to do that, we have failed in the, tenth, in the fifth commandment. We have failed to love as God wants us. We have broken this commandment. And none of us can escape it. Jesus makes this very clear. You can't dodge this one, right? That we are guilty of it. And so our Lord reinforces it as he continues, right? Verse 23, so if you're offering your gift at the altar, and then remember, your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Here our Lord puts out what God really desires from us. His desire for you is to love those who have been placed in your life. And he even gives us a scenario, right? Of a man going to the temple and offering a gift to God, and God saying, no, if you remember at that point that your brother has something against you, you leave your gift. 
Isn't the Lord saying that there's nothing you can give him that is greater than loving the ones that God has placed in your life? Nothing should take precedence over that. There's nothing more pleasing to God than when we love one another. This is, again, reminding us that, that our, our feuds, our broken relationships, affect our relationship with God. That they're all tied together. And the importance of loving God and loving our neighbor. And he also tells us that we're responsible for the reconciliation. Notice the language. Your brother has something against you. Jesus is saying it's not when you have something against you. It's the situation in which they've done something to you. And the Lord said it's still your responsibility to go to them. That, that we don't think about, well, who's, the, who's, who's at fault and what's the problem. If there is a problem, it's upon us to solve it. And notice we're not to wait. He says, leave your gift there before the altar and go. Again, he's making all of our relationships our responsibility. We're not to wait for the other person to make the first move. It's clear, again, that the Lord's desire for us is to love one another and to love all those that God has placed in our life. And he even magnifies it again when we get to verse 25. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you're going to him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and put you in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you've paid the last penny. Again, the Lord is making us responsible for our own peace. This is more than just advice to get the best deal you can. What the Lord is really saying here is that he wants us to make peace. He wants us to settle things because, again, it affects our relationship with him. And there are eternal consequences. When he says, you will never get out, he's trying to drive home that, that our failure to love has eternal consequences. That, that those things that block us in our relationship with one another become an impediment to our relationship with the Lord. And our Lord is trying to get us to see and to recognize, this is what I want you to do. To live at peace with all who are around you. This is an easy text, is it? This is a really tough text. There, this is all law. There is no gospel in here at all. It's all telling us what we are to do. But we do find gospel in the one who is speaking. Because the one who is speaking has done everything that he tells us he saw the broken relationship between humanity and himself. He saw the broken relationship between humanities and brothers and sisters in this world. And he's taken upon himself to put an end to the division. He stepped out. He stepped out and took on flesh, became man, and went to the cross to pay for our sins. To pay for our failure to love, our failure to recognize to reconcile, our failure to make the first step, our failure in all these ways in our relationship with one another. He stepped forward, went to the cross, so that all of those would be paid for once and for all. And then he stepped out of the grave to bring that forgiveness and righteousness to us. And that's what the Lord does for you today. He comes to you today and forgives you your sin. He comes to you today and reconciles his relationship with you to fill your heart with his love. And to know that whatever you have done, it has been forgiven. What, whatever sin, whatever failure to love, what failure, failure to recognize, reconcile, whatever it might be, it's been paid for on the cross. You are forgiven. And you are made holy. 
And see, here's where our righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees and the scribes. Our righteousness isn't our own. Our righteousness is a gift of God. You are holy because you've been washed, you've been made clean. You belong to the Lord. He is the one. And we realize we're never going to keep these commands perfectly. And yet at the same time, we are given the love of Christ again and again that enables us to share. And we're called to live out our life as much as we can with the love that he has given. There's one aspect of, of what we've been talking about that our Lord doesn't quite address here. He doesn't speak about how our actions will always be received. When we reach out in love, it's not always going to be received. The Lord reached out in love, and it wasn't received. But notice that it never stopped the Lord from reaching out. He was rejected again and again, but even in his dying breath on the cross, he was still reaching out with love and reconciliation. He was still reaching out to those around him. And all we are called to do is to be faithful with the love that God has they're called to be faithful because he's been faithful to us. There's nothing that we have done, there's nothing that we could do that would enable, or that would, Jesus would pull his love away from us. He never stops loving us. He never stops forgiving us. He never give, stops giving what, what, what we need. One final thought on this text. Um, one of the things that I see in this text that, that I need to highlight is that People often want to reduce the law. They want to say, sometimes even pit Jesus against the Old Testament and say that, that somehow Jesus softens what the Old Testament says. Didn't sound like he softened it today, did it? He does not. He doesn't reduce the law. And keep in mind, while our human nature wants him to reduce the law, actually the child of God, we don't. Because it's only when we see the fullness of the law that we see the fullness of his grace. We do not know how much he truly loves us and forgives us until we realize how far we have fallen and how short we are of his demands. In a text like this, we are reminded just how much our Lord loves us, just how much he's done for us, and how, how he faithfully is to bring us his love, his forgiveness, and his salvation. Amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all human understanding guide our hearts and minds to true faith, life everlasting. Amen.